As a part of that, I want you to see something this morning, a, a truth that uh, we're going to start on a very practical note, but I want to move toward an even more practical note. One is an experience that if, after you've trusted Christ, it is the next step of what we do. It is a physical demonstration of a spiritual reality. But then it is something that should foreshadow, it should, it should point us to what our Christian life needs to be and must be. I want you to turn with me this morning to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, and I, I want to preach to you this morning on why should I be baptized? Why should I be baptized? Now, there's a lot of confusion about baptism. I have to start by saying that. There's a lot of folks who have ideas about, I've heard people say, well, you know, I went down in the waters and my sins were washed away. Let me tell you that baptismal water does not wash away your sins. The blood of Jesus Christ is what washes away your sins. So you're not taking a glorified bath when you go out there. Now, that water out in, that, in the outside baptistry has been a little warm, so you may feel like it's a bath. We'll throw in a bar of soap and you can get the, shot, the bath after while you're in there. But that's not a bath. It's not a spiritual bath. It is something that symbolizes and points us to, as we'll see this morning, it points us to a spiritual reality that takes place in our lives the moment that we trust Christ as our Savior. Maybe this morning you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, and what I would like to speak to you about this morning is what you can do about that to experience this spiritual reality that I'm talking about. And then following that, there's the, the physical reality of it, but then for us to live in the baptized life, to, to live with the reality of what that spiritual event meant and what it represents and what we recognize it. I want you to see this in Romans chapter 6. We're going to read just a few verses in the early part of this chapter, and I'm going to sort of walk us through this just a little bit of time because sometimes uh, some of these parts can be challenging. We need to understand what we're thinking about. Sometimes when Paul is talking about both physical and spiritual things, we need to, well, is, is this the spiritual or is this the physical? or is this, what, is, what is he talking about here? And just to, to be quite honest, as Peter said later in his writings, sometimes Brother Paul writes some things hard to understand. So that's, I want to walk through these verses to begin this morning. Look in verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? There are those who will say, well, since I'm saved and grace is available for my sins, I can just do, as, I can just do whatever I want to do. And Paul says, because there's grace, are we to continue in sin? Notice the very practical nature of what he is saying. He is talking about how we live our lives. Should we continue to have sinful practices in our lives just because God's grace will cover our sins? And in the next verse he says, God forbid. It's a, it's a phrase that means, may it never be so. It's the most vehement firm statement that could possibly be made. This should never be the case. It should never be the case that Christians think that we can continue in sin simply because God's grace is, God's grace is made available to us. He says, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Oh, now, wait a minute, I'm going to be the first to admit, um, I don't feel very dead to sin. Can I get a testimony and a witness from that? How many of y'all have experienced some form of temptation 
oh, let's just go with, like, I started to say the past week, but maybe the past hour. <laughs> you pulled into the parking lot and somebody took your parking place and you were tempted immediately. I was tempted right before the service. I was standing over to the side and I needed to slip by and uh, Brother Joel just wouldn't get out of my way. And I said, if you, you can step aside or I'm going to shove you aside. Well, that's really good, isn't it? Get up. Folks, I was filled with the Spirit and ready to preach this morning, and one of the deacons wouldn't get out of my way, so I shoved him out of the way. I can't think of a more Baptist thing for a preacher to say. No, we, we encounter temptation. So what does Paul mean when he says we're dead to sin? In my, in my flesh, in my life, I don't feel very dead to sin. Temptation's still very strong. So what does he mean? He's speaking in a spiritual way, we are dead to sin. When we trusted Christ as our Savior, we were buried. The old man, that old person that we were, that, that, that dead soul was buried. We're dead to sin. How can we live any longer therein? Verse 1, he says, let's not continue in sin. Here in verse 2, he says, how shall we live any longer in sin? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? How many of us were baptized? What does he mean, as many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ? What does it mean to be baptized by, into Jesus Christ? Ephesians 4 says, By one spirit are we all baptized into one body. When I trusted Christ as my Savior, I was immediately, by the Holy Spirit, immersed into Jesus Christ. I was baptized into His spiritual body. And that was a spiritual event that took place. There are those here this morning that trusted Christ this week. They heard the gospel, they heard from, came through Judgment House, or someone talked with them and shared the gospel, and they trusted Christ. The minute they placed their faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit, in something that no one saw, it was a spiritual event. It was not a physical event. But in that spiritual event, they were placed in Christ Jesus. Aren't you glad that when we say, let me tell you about my Jesus, He's not just someone we know about. He is someone that we have been placed in. We are in the body of Christ. Paul says, you, if you have been baptized into Jesus Christ, you were baptized into his death, so you should be dead to sin. Verse 4, therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now, we recognize these phrases. If you've ever been to the average baptism and and you've heard these words as buried with him in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. And you think, oh, that's just some ritual that some pastor wrote down sometime, and that's what preachers are supposed to say. No, this is biblical. This is from Scripture. We're buried with him in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted, let me point out a couple things to you real quick. Can I do that? I'm going to do it anyway, but I thought I'd ask you just to be nice. Buried, planted baptized. Do you know what they all have in common? Complete immersion. 
Some people say, well, you know, you guys just believe in immersion because you're Baptist. No, we're Baptist because we believe in immersion. You got it sort of reversed around there. And look, I've got friends that this practice different forms of baptism, but if we're going to follow the biblical teaching, then this is clearly talking about being planted, being placed in, being placed in a watery grave, essentially, being planted within the earth, and it points us to that burial in Christ. We have been planted together in the likeness of his death. We shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. What is Paul talking about here? Have we been resurrected yet? No, I've not even physically died yet. So he's not talking about physical death and physical resurrection, though that is going to take place. He's saying that I am to be dead to sin. Spiritually, when I got saved, I was baptized into Christ. I was baptized into his death. And therefore, there's to be a difference in my life. Because I should be dead to sin and I should be raised with Christ with resurrection power. That's, how, that's pointing toward how I live my life. He goes on to say, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. Here's another very practical statement about what Paul's talking about, that henceforth, from this point on, we should not serve sin. Do you see what he says there? Look in verse 1, shall we continue in sin? Verse 4, we should walk in newness of life. Verse 6, from now on, we should not serve sin. Paul is speaking and he's using baptism to frame what the Christian life is supposed to look like. That we are supposed to live differently. What is baptism? I'll give you just a couple of quick practical thoughts and then I want to get into this, this baptized life. Because I believe this is where we... Not, I don't believe this is, this is biblical truth. This is where we must live. What is, what is baptism? Some people think that they've got it all figured out. They know what it means, this and this. And sometimes we see strange things and weird things and we don't fully grasp what's going on and we have preconceptions about it. Um, I've thought back through as I was preparing this sermon on some baptism, interesting things. You know, if something strange or funny is going to happen in a church service, it's usually going to be during the baptism. Um, I've had people slip coming down the stairs, you know, go skiing across the, the water. Um, had a, a lady one time that I, I told her to, I said, as I, as I lay you back, you, you need to sort of flex your knees a little bit. Well, she didn't get the laying back part. She did get the bending the knees. And so when I went to lay her back, she flexed her knees and she just went straight down. And she was an older lady and she got down and I'm over here and she's over here still. And so she starts wobbling and we got her under every bit. What didn't go under, I splashed some on top of her and we got her immersed. We got her buried. There's a great story about Patrick, the, the patron saint of Ireland. And um, he was baptizing one of the Irish kings. And as he took him down into the river to baptize him, the current was strong. And so Patrick had a, a, walking, a pointed walking stick that he carried. And um, he sort of braced himself. He planted it to brace himself as he was baptizing as the current was stirring him. And what he didn't realize was is that he planted the stick. He, he stuck it right in the king's foot. Blood was pouring, of course, in the water. He couldn't see it. So when he came up out of the water, the king's foot is just bleeding everywhere. And Patrick said, why were you silent through all of this? And the king said, I just thought that was part of the ritual. <laughs> so we think we fully understand, well, what is baptism? 
Let me say, baptism is not salvation. Baptism is not salvation. Baptism is a symbol. Baptism is first a symbol of, it's an illustration of Christ's death and burial and resurrection, that he was buried. He was placed in the ground, but on the third day he rose from the dead. I rejoice every Sunday morning because we celebrate on Sunday, we celebrate the resurrection from the dead. I have been with some of you as you've as you have been to the graveside of your loved one in recent days, and you've rejoiced in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Baptism is a celebration of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and it points us to the fact that resurrection power, the Holy Spirit of God, raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And He is the one that raises us. When we trust Him as our Savior, we are spiritually raised from the dead. It is a symbol of my conversion as a Christian, the change that takes place. And that's what Paul is saying here, that the old man is dead, and now the new man is this newness of life. It's it's a symbol of that, that conversion that takes place. If any man be in Christ, he is what? A new creature. Old things have passed away, and all things have become new. And so that's a symbol of that conversion that takes place. When I, go into the bapt- when I went into the baptismal waters when I was six years old, and I do believe, let me say that some people don't believe in baptizing children. I do believe if they have an understanding and they have trusted Christ as their Savior, that just like any other person that has trusted Christ, that has been converted and has been saved, then they can understand how and what baptism represents. And I'll stand here today and tell you that uh, there may have been some kids that were confused, and I've baptized some adults that were baptized as kids that just simply went forward just because they thought that was what they were supposed to do. And we'll be very careful about following that pattern. But let me tell you that a child can understand what it means to be baptized and understand what takes place. And it is a, it is a testimony of conversion. That's why we practice what is called believer's baptism. That you cannot give a visual demonstration, an illustration of something that has spiritually happened when it hasn't spiritually happened to you. You can't testify of being placed by the Holy Spirit into Christ when you've never been placed in Christ and it actually mean anything. And so it follows having been saved. So maybe, maybe you were baptized as a child, but... Later, you came to an understanding and you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I've had people tell me, I want to be baptized again. And I say, you're not getting baptized again. You're getting baptized for the first time. The first first time, you just got dumped. You just got wet. It didn't really mean anything because it hadn't happened. Nothing had happened. It is a testimony. I love, and I've shared this often when I'm talking with children about baptism, because there's times where parents have tried to say things to try to calm their child about baptism, and they mean well, and they'll say things like, because maybe the child is concerned about going into the water, they'll say, oh, it's just like getting a bath. Well, in in one way, it, it is sort of like getting a bath. But in another way, it's nothing like a bath, and the child comes and they think, oh, I'm going in for my sins to be washed away. But the simple way to explain that is, is that when I trusted Jesus Christ, By one spirit, I was baptized into the body of Christ. And I didn't see that happen. But I want everybody else to know what happened inside of me. 
And so the best way to show that is for me to do something physical. And so I go into the baptismal waters to say to everyone that's watching, hey, this is what happened in me when I trusted Christ. And you didn't see that, but this shows what happened. I was placed in Christ. I come forth. I am a new creature in Jesus Christ. And so it is a symbol of what takes place. There's no salvation in it but it is a powerful symbol. It's a a symbol of identification with Christ. It is saying, I am Christ's. I belong to Him. It is saying publicly. Let me give you an illustration of this. On my left hand, I have a ring on my, what's traditionally called the ring finger. That ring was something that Just over 30 years ago, I stood before a pastor. Actually, there were multiple preachers involved in our wedding. I suspect it took took more than usual to get to handle me, probably. Certainly wasn't Lynn's fault. But we stood before the pastor, and we made vows to each other. We placed these rings on each other's finger. Now, shortly, not too long after that, I, I... have to admit the one time in my life I think I probably took the ring off and um, two, two mistakes I made. This is for you husbands. Here's a, little, here's a little marital advice. Some of you are younger guys and some of you have been at it for years. You probably already know this. The first mistake was is that I took the ring off. The second was the reason I took it off was because I was washing dishes. So guys, if your wife asks you to help with the dishes, say, hey, the preacher said it's not really, it's wise, not wise to do that. I placed the ring up on the side of the uh, upside of the sink, and at some point it disappeared. And so very soon after that, I, I got a replacement. This is actually the replacement. Um, about 18 years later, we were moving the refrigerator, <coughs> and way up in the back corner under some stuff that collects whatever was living under our refrigerator science project, um, we found my original ring. And so I still wear the re- replacement ring because that's just sort of has become... Um, well, it's on my finger and it won't come off. It's really the reason I'm doing it. <laughs> he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. You know what I'm talking about. So That ring does not make me married. I was married when I made those vows to my wife. But that ring is a symbol of identification. It says to whoever sees it, I belong to Lynn. I am identifying with her publicly. I am making you aware of the vows that I have made. Let me tell you that baptism is like a wedding ring. Baptism does not save. The thief on the cross went to heaven. He was not baptized. But baptism is a public identification that says, I want you and everybody else, and I am unashamed to let everybody know I belong to Jesus. That's the, that's the power of baptism. That's what it means. That's, the, that's why we do it. That's the symbol of it. That's what it represents. And when you have trusted in Christ, when you've placed your faith in Christ, it is the moment then to tell the world with a public confession, I want to follow Christ in believer's baptism. It's not just something that's the symbol. Look, it's it's submission to His authority. It's, It's doing what Jesus said. 
Jesus himself went into the waters to be baptized. And John said, I should be the one being baptized by you. And Jesus says, suffer it to be so, for thus it behooves us to fulfill all righteousness. It was Christ setting an example for us. And it was Christ who commanded his disciples to go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That was the command that was given, that those who trust in Christ are to be baptized. And it is the clear command that we are to follow Him in baptism. So maybe there's somebody here this morning, and for whatever reason, since you have trusted Christ, you have not been baptized. Look, it's not my desire just to run up some numbers and say, hey, we've, we've had so many baptized. It's my desire for you to experience the blessedness of obedience to a very clear command and demonstration and beautiful symbol that Scripture and Jesus lays out for us, for you to publicly say, I belong to Jesus. Maybe this morning, I I don't know, you, you know, I was trying to think back to being baptized, and I do have some memories of it. I do remember that the, the water in our church's baptistry um, was, was deep. They were having some adults baptized afterwards. And I remember getting down to the lowest step, and thankfully my dad snagged me off that step and put me on a, a cement block. I still remember seeing the cement block through the water, standing on that and let him baptize me because I was, so, I was six years old and I, I'd have disappeared. I could have baptized myself by just stepping off that last step. So I, I have some memories of that. But more important than remembering the details of that moment, and some of you may remember them and some of you may not, you just know I was baptized on this date. Maybe it's written down somewhere. More important than that is to know the joy and the experience and the love of experiencing Jesus Christ in our lives every single day. And to identify with Him and say, I belong to Him. I am His and He is mine. That's the the joy of it. That's the experience of it. Aren't you glad? Those of you who have been through the the baptismal waters, those of you who have followed Christ in that step, you know what it means to make that next step in your discipleship journey of following Christ. And if you haven't done that yet, then let me tell you, talk to myself or one of the pastors. We would love nothing more than for you to experience the joy of believers' baptism. But I want to point you to something else this morning as a close. Because most of us, I suspect this morning, most of us have been baptized. And we can think back and we can rejoice in that and we can joy in it. But it's not just that one moment. Baptism is a symbol. Baptism is submission to a command. It's obedience to a command. But baptism also points us to surrender. Baptism points us to a surrendered life. You see, I am not just to be surrendered and submit when I'm baptized. There are those who are willing to submit that one time, and then they never give it another thought to surrender to Christ. But Paul says, you were baptized into Christ. This is what it's supposed to look like. Don't live in sin. Walk in newness of life, a transformed, changed life. Are you living a baptized life? There are people who are fervent about being a Baptist. And let me tell you, I'm thankful that that's the, doctrinal, that's the doctrinal truths that I hold to. And I don't hold to them because that's the way I was raised. I, I believe they're biblical. But that's not going to get me into heaven. 
And that's not going to make a bit of difference in my life. I know people who will fight you over the mode of baptism, but they've not once surrendered to Christ since that time. Paul says we're to live differently. We're to experience this work. So let's, let's take a moment and think about this with me. Baptism represents what? The death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Where did the power for his resurrection come from? It was the Spirit of God, Romans chapter 8 says, that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And he says in that same passage in Romans 8 that the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead will quicken, make alive your mortal bodies. The same Holy Spirit that on that first Easter Sunday morning that raised Jesus from the dead is living inside of you if you've trusted Christ as your Savior. And so every day when I wake up in the morning, I need to say to God, God, I need you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. I today, if I'm going to live not continuing in sin, and if I'm going to live walking in newness of life, if I'm going to enjoy the blessedness of the Christ life, I need you to fill me with your Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit to raise me from the dead again today. And then I get up, and I go usually maybe about five minutes, and I have to say, Lord, I'm sorry. <laughs> I've, I've done something to grieve the Holy Spirit. I, I need you to fill me. And throughout the day, from time to time, as I'm reminded, Lord, I need you. We sang that just a few moments ago, I believe. Lord, I need you. To go back, to realize I am crucified with Christ. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who gave himself for me. That's the life that we're to live. So baptism is not just some random event way back in our past. It is something that is to be lived out in a daily life, in a daily moment by moment existence, a Christian life that says, I am going to be not only identified with Christ, but I'm going to be surrendered to Christ. I'm going to follow Him. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to work new life in me. How many of us need some some new life spiritually. We need that satisfying from Jeremiah 31:25. The hungry soul, the weary soul, the sorrowing soul. Some of you are walking through valleys. And you're not going to get through that valley in your own strength. You're going to get through that valley in the strength of the savior in this power of the Spirit. I was talking with someone early this morning, and their word to me, their message to me was, please pray for me. I'm trying to do better. I'm trying to change my life. I'm trying to put away these old things. I'm trying to do this. Do you see the theme? I'm trying, I'm trying. And they are struggling, and they are weary, and they are frustrated because despite their best efforts, their best efforts are not enough. Let me tell you, Living this life is not going to happen by the strength of my will. 
It is not going to happen with me just trying to do better and working harder and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. It is by the power of the Holy Spirit quickening my mortal body that He enables me and empowers me to live the Christian life and not just to survive, but to thrive through the blessedness of all that God has for me to enjoy. That's the baptized life. So some of you were baptized years ago. But I want you to know this truth isn't for years ago. This truth is for now. This truth is for today. Paul says this is, this is right here, right now. This is daily living. The blessedness. Where are you? are you? Are you enjoying the Christian life or are you just sort of enduring it? I want you to know this morning, I, in a moment I'm going to invite you to come to the altar. And I'm going to invite you to just pour out your heart to God and say, God... I need you every hour. I need you. I'm reminded of that when I think about being baptized, that I am dead, now I'm alive. And for me to be alive, I need you. For me to make it through this trial, I need you. For me to carry the burden that I'm carrying, I need you. For me to stand alongside someone else as they're going through the valley, I need you. For me as a counselor in judgment house to hear the burdens that people are sharing and me to in turn pray with them and be a blessing to them, I need you. For me as a, an actor in judgment house to continue to go through the, the scenes with the emotion and the feeling and the power of God on my on my presentation, I need you. For me to continue to be the husband, the father, the mother, the wife, the child that I need to be, I need you. We desperately need our Savior. And if you're struggling, you're challenged, and you're burdened, let me tell you about my Jesus. He's all that you need. He's all that you need. And I invite you to be reminded of that this morning. Will you bow with me for prayer? Before, we, before I pray, and then we have the invitation, let me just say to you this morning, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, then baptism doesn't mean a whole lot until you have. Because what will happen when you acknowledge to God that you are a sinner, that you can't save yourself, that's the first step. But the second is placing your faith in Jesus. It's believing in Jesus Christ, trusting Him as your Savior. And then confessing Him as your Lord, confessing Him as the Savior of your life. The moment you do that, let me tell you what happens. You won't see it happen. We won't see it happen, but the Holy Spirit will spiritually take you and place you in Jesus Christ. That's the, the baptism that I'm talking about is just a way of visualizing that, that God has given to us. And so in this invitation, as God is speaking to His people, He may be speaking to you about your salvation. And I would invite you to just step out where you are and walk down the aisle. We'll have someone take the Word of God and show you how you can trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Christians, what do you need? What do you need Jesus for? 
Are you living and enjoying the blessings of the baptized life? Father, speak to our hearts this morning as I believe you are. Help your people to listen and obey.